Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. This episode is with Alexa Villarreal, who is a social media specialist at Spotify. And that's pretty cool, but honestly, this episode is so much bigger than a cool job title. She has such an amazing story. And the reason that that is, is she went from being a fan and being in fan clubs of bands to turning that into her profession. And at a very young age, she knew that this is what she wanted to do. And she really broke it down and explained how she went step by step and did all of this. And she just has such an amazing understanding of fan bases and communities and how to take that and turn that from being a fan into empowering yourself and learning that you know everything you need to know to then work in the music industry and to take those strengths and apply them. I left this conversation so excited and inspired about what she's up to and music and everything and just building this community. So I really hope that as a listener, you get a lot out of this and you feel inspired to go chase and get that dream job of yours if you relate to her. Thank you as always for listening. If you like this one, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. It really does help and enjoy. Where are all my friends? Alexa Villarreal. And you are a longtime friend. And yes. we've, we've talked about doing this episode. And when this happens, when these moments happen, I'm so genuinely excited because I have friends that do such cool shit. <laughs> and I'm always like, it's that level where I know what you do and I know yeah. most of your story. Mm -hmm. But every time I sit down with a, like a friend, friend, there's more that I learn where I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's just, it's such a fun experience for me to learn about friends that I'm already inspired by. But also when I know that you have a cool story and you do such a cool job in music, I'm so excited for the listeners because I'm like, yo, y'all are about to, you're in for a treat. <laughs> like, this is a good one. Oh, Hyping me so, up. So thank you for doing this. <laughs> of course. And the way I normally start it off is just telling a listener super quickly like who you are and what you do, at least right now, and then we'll kind of yeah. go backwards and explain how all that came to be. Yeah, TLDR. Yeah. Um, my yes. name is Alexa, and I am a social media specialist at Spotify. You might have heard of it. Um, it's a music streaming so. company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I work on their social media team. I specifically, we like are mostly broken up by genres, so I'm lead for Latin. Yeah. But I also work on K-pop, pop, rock, um, pretty much everything I'm passionate about. I yeah. at least have some kind of leg in. And so recently that's been a lot of K-pop. And I I'm so also appreciative and excited to do this episode with you because I feel like you can't speak for Spotify. I can't speak for Spotify. No. So also the preface is like, this is just this two is friends and you, you happen to work there. <laughs> yes, correct. But my outside observation is I've actually been really impressed with Spotify as a platform looking to help creators. Like there's other platforms and it just kind of feels like you're in the customer service abyss of just like, cool, whatever, upload it. And I feel like Spotify, the more like, because now there's Spotify for podcasters and you mm -hmm. have the back end portal, you see Spotify yep. for artists. So many of the people listening to this have a Spotify for artists. For so sure. Pay attention to that. Yeah. I think I would venture to say that most everybody listening to this episode has done some amount of back end something with Spotify. And it's one of those things where it's such a huge platform and such an important piece of music right now mm -hmm. that I think everybody wants to know more about it. And everybody's like, oh, questions, this, this, and this. Yeah. And the thing that I appreciate about Spotify is really as much as possible, it's been made to be like, hey, like we're here to help you. Like we're here to explain these. Like we're here for the creators. 
Uh, but there's just so, so much to learn. And I, I don't want to make this specifically about you becoming Spotify customer service, <laughs> but more so, I just think that it's cool that you're taking the time to tell your story and to explain how you got your job and where you're at right now. And I think just learning about all of that will be so insightful for everyone that pays attention because I don't know, I, I've learned so much from you just in the homie talks. Yeah, for sure. I can like at least give a like disclaimer at the beginning for everyone. Um, if you are curious about anything Spotify related on the music side, definitely set up your Spotify for artist profile. That is like going to be the most helpful. We have a blog, gives lots of information, stuff about royalties. All of that is all on there. And if you're on the podcast side, we also have Spotify for podcasters. Go set up your profile there, check all of your data, get all the information. That's everything public facing. Yeah. Um, and it is really helpful. So, you know, definitely if you have questions on kind of like that kind of, like you said, like the customer service side. Yeah. Definitely go check all of that out because it's it's honestly going to be more helpful than I would ever be. <laughs> right. And like, that's kind of my point is like, it feels basic, but I've been really impressed by what Spotify has done on that side because every tip and trick and like the resources that has been made available yeah. feel like you'd think like, oh, like it's got to be just generic stuff. But if you really take the time to dig in there, there's a lot you can learn. Yeah. So I appreciate Spotify for that. And that's wow. cool. And I'll I, take credit. Even I yeah. have literally <laughs> no credit for that. <laughs> well, I guess like my point to saying all of that is I feel like in the same way that time and thought is put into helping creators, every time I talk to you about like, I'll just casually tell you that like, I got like a new download record or something like that. Like you're excited or I tell you, I'm like, yeah, oh, I course. use this tool. And you're like, oh my God, it works. Like <laughs> I feel like when I talk to Spotify employees, like oh, there's man. a group, like everybody's like passionate about it and excited yeah. to hear that they're helping. And I feel that with you. So it's like, I feel like, hell yeah, you work at Spotify. Oh, like it. you're meant to be there. It's cool. Thank you. However, there's so much more to you than just a job title. Definitely. And a reason that I wanted to do this podcast was I think you have one of the coolest fan come up stories. And I feel like, especially like, there are so many women in music that are fucking killing it. And I want to highlight that and focus on that because I think about the listener of this podcast and I hope that it's somebody who's younger and interested in getting into music or perfecting their craft. So when I have someone like yourself that I haven't quite heard a story like yours come on and share that. I just hope that it's relatable and helpful to anyone else that maybe wants to follow a similar path. Yeah, definitely. I like will also say we're going to talk about my story about my fan come up and like kind of how I got to the music industry. But if you want other people, I'm going to like quickly shout out for my girls. Oh my God. Because yes, they really, please go. They, it's like so funny because whenever you hear about like, oh, this person ran a fan account. Oh, you have to, you have to meet so-and-so. Really? Because they also have, they have like super similar stuff. You hear that all the time. Anytime I tell anyone that I ran a, uh, an update account. And so Olivia Rudensky did it for Miley Cyrus, a true queen. And then um, Claudia Villarreal, she was um, did one for One Direction. So did Kalisha Midlani and um, Katarina Nasser. There's like a number of us that kind of have similar-ish um, stories. They're all like vaguely tinted differently, but it's it's sick to see like how successful fans are starting to be. I'm extra excited to dive into all of this now because like I didn't realize that there is some amount of like a formula isn't the right word, but a pattern of like yeah. people that have been passionate oh, it's a pattern. and started. Yeah. It's definitely a pattern. There was like, there was this viral tweet. This is going to be the entirety of this podcast is me be referencing social media memes Please. because I mean, you, this <laughs> I is live your job. in it. You do so this. yeah, exactly. Um, there was this incredible viral tweet where this one person said like the music industry, like the fan account to music industry pipeline. 
And all of us weren't sure if it was sarcastic or not. And yeah. so we all just started popping off on it, like retweeting it and like favoriting it and liking it and sending it everywhere. And now it's like our catchphrase. And I don't know if it was meant sarcastically or not, like to this day, I don't know the girl who wrote it, but it like blew up in that circle of people. And now we all are like, yeah, we're we're doing it. But it went like super viral in that community. And everyone was like, yeah, it's a real thing. And we're like doing the damn thing. We're all pushing forward. And so I could, I can literally give like 17 more names. Like there's so many girls who are doing it right now, which is like so exciting to see. But um, yeah, there's just like a couple of them that are, I'm really close with that are like really crushing it. This is amazing. This mm-hmm. is so cool. I, I love it because it's such a natural way to get involved in music because it's like you're coming from exactly. just genuinely loving it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about you. Take me back to okay. like, you maybe like the first era of you like really finding and falling in love with music like wherever the beginning of the story starts um let's see first concert i ever went to was in i think 2003 or 2004 for hillary duff's metamorphosis tour (laughs) um so my parents indulged me at a very young age for like my love of music by taking a second grader to go see hillary duff Um, i was the most popular kid at my preschool no cap and um exclusively because I went to see Hilary Duff and she was like, it was like peak Lizzie McGuire era, you know? You basically knew her. Exactly. We were best (laughs) friends. I was in like the 100 section at the Verizon Theater in Grand Prairie. And I I literally remember that concert, which is so crazy because I was like seven or eight. I went and like very shortly after that, I got into the Jonas Brothers. I mean, no shocker there. I was like 13 and they were on the peak come up like self-titled. So that was whatever in 2012. Um, oh no, I guess 2011, I was 15 and One Direction became a band and well, they became a band in 2010, but like, whatever, (laughs) 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 but like they released their first single, what makes you beautiful and the self, uh, the first album up all night in, um, 2011 in the UK and it hadn't crossed into the U S yet. And I found them on Tumblr, like literally everyone else (laughs) at that era, because we were all just like, you know, blogging in our bedrooms about how sad and emo we were at 15. And um, I listened to like a lot of punk music and I still listen to a lot of punk music. So the fact that I then got really into One Direction was like, it wasn't a pivot or anything, but it was certainly like, okay, this is different. Yeah, because you were too. kind of a pop punk kid. Oh, no, I am a Still, pop yeah, punk kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, 100%. That's why when Five Second Summer came around, I was like wrecked for life because <laughs> it was pop punk meets pop at like a massive global scale. Everything and, just alive. And I was like, this was is like, my life. This is all I Dear Alexa, we made this exactly, for you. Quite literally. And yeah. now there's a K-pop group that has pop punk inspired songs. Like literally Modson wrote their most recent single. And I was like, damn, <laughs> they really made this for me. Um, so, yeah literally so one direction was coming up and i had been like watching all of their videos on youtube and i was really into following their stuff on tumblr and following them on twitter like i had their twitter notifications on it's really funny because twitter tells you when like your twitter birthday is and i've been on twitter for 13 12 i've been on twitter for 12 years which means this next year i'll have been on twitter for half of my life Like when I turned 26, I'll have had my Twitter for 13 years. So half of my life I'll have been on Twitter, which is absolutely insane. Like that is so crazy to think about that there's like a whole generation of kids now, me included, I guess, all the Gen Zs where like more than half of our lives have been on social media. That's a whole other conversation. But I think about that so much and I'm like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's weird. I mean, what it really does at this point is that I don't really understand what music is like without social media. Like I don't understand 
I, not that I don't understand, but it's just like, it's such an anomaly to me that artists were able to make it in the way that they do now without having the ability to connect to their fans like that. Like it was such a more of a novelty getting to connect with your artists in a way that it just isn't anymore. Like it's, it's just so much easier to feel like you can relate to them and stay in touch with them and know what's going on and feel like a deep personal connection. I'm like, I don't understand how fans prior to social media felt as deep of a like personal relationship. Maybe they didn't. And that was like maybe healthier, maybe not healthier. I don't really know. You just said um, that really well, actually. But it, yeah, I feel like you, you get a sense that you like really know artists nowadays with social media. And I feel like that's like what makes fandom so much more intense yeah. nowadays, not in like a, a positive or a negative way, I would say. I think it definitely has its pros and cons, but I think fandom is more just like connected and passionate and intense and like overwhelming because of the sense that you really know these artists that you're connecting to. That's a, really a good well tangent, said. But like, a tangent. Yeah, you got me, you got me thinking there. Like yeah. that, that says it well. And like kind of speaks to why you have the job you have <laughs> and understand all those things. Oh man. But okay, so like you find yes. One Direction, five yes. seconds of summer. Find them. Get in your car, driving to yeah, every show. Going to everything. So I have one of those like and at this moment, I knew I wanted to work in the music industry. Yeah. Like, I have one of those. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> so in 2012, at the beginning of 2012, like February, March, um, One Direction were finally going to launch their album in the U.S. And so they were like, we're going to do a massive marketing campaign to, like, push this album in the U.S. And we're going to use the fans to do it. Freaking brilliant. Like, to this day, so smart. this campaign is the smartest piece of music marketing I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's coming from someone who like literally wants to do this for my entire life. And has so, been doing it for some years. Right. Now. And has yeah. been doing it since I was like 16. Yeah. So this is still to me like the most impressive use of fans in a way that benefits everyone. So they decided to launch this thing called Bring One D to US. And it was an online five like levels or tiers um, challenge to rally behind a city and whatever city wins the most of these challenges and wins the final challenge one Direction is going to come and do a like pop-up performance and CD signing in their city. For the first time ever. And this is their first time they're ever going to come to the U.S. point blank. Yeah. And so I'm living in Dallas. I'm 16. I'm at an all-girls high school. And my entire high school is like, we have to win this. Like us individually as my high school, we are going to win this um, competition and bring One Direction because we all were obsessed with them. Yes. And so... Like you first have to launch a hashtag for your city. So first of all, I'm going to like break it down both on like me as the fan experiencing what I benefit from and then like why I think this is brilliant music marketing. I love this. Um, I get really passionate. You're about such this. a good podcast guest too. Thank like you. I'm sitting here and I'm like, you're so like, you're articulating these thoughts so well. Um, and like as the I host, I'm like just like in it. Like I'm lost right now. I'm just like, go on, keep I going, love it. please. I'm sad. Um, yeah. So the first one was to launch a hashtag that was like bring one D to insert city. Yeah. And so as a music marketer, you basically are going to get aggregated numbers of how many people are like pushing your artists in these cities. Think yeah. about routing touring. You have like a perfect that. count you literally of your highest have cities. How you should cap all of the shows and everything based on. I mean, obviously you don't know how many times people are using the hashtag, but you're able to go like look through it and see like unique users and search through Twitter using all that data. They're pulling all of that stuff. And the fans are all sitting here getting to meet people in their cities who love their artists, right? You tweet, bring one D to Dallas, and suddenly you go look at the tag and you're seeing all these other kids who also want to bring one D to Dallas. Maybe they go to your high school and you didn't know they were a fan. Maybe they go to a rival high school and you didn't know they were a fan. You're suddenly building this whole community of people that you 
are in the same city as, love the same artist as you. Maybe like I was definitely like not popular or cool in high school. And so I didn't have friends necessarily who like understood or loved what I loved or I felt really like I belonged. Yeah. And so I was able to find like so many of my friends through this specific campaign, like yeah. shout out to Lexi, shout out to Ilse, shout out to Devin, shout out to Ali, shout out to Steph, who I all met at the event that eventually comes out of this, um, that are like still my like diehard friends to this day, which is insane. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and we all met when I was like 16. So you you build all these people. And so that's like challenge number one, like yeah. get your hashtag to like not trend, but basically like get a certain amount of tweets on it, like 10,000 or something like that. Yeah. Easy. Peace, done. easy for diehard fans what do you time. think this is done yeah they're Give like they're like i can tweet a thousand times on my account yeah. before i hit cap so yeah. so people go off do that and then second challenge is like make a trailer for your city like where would they come if they were going to come to Dallas? like go like highlight the landmarks so then you get a whole bunch of kids like going out and taking pictures with like the bulls in Dallas and like the ball and all these different places, like these landmarks. So they're going and they're like doing free marketing for you, right? Cause they're like going out to all these public locations and being like One Direction, everyone needs to listen to One Direction, right? They're doing all this stuff, get hype for One Direction's new album. And so they keep doing all these little challenges. And the last one is to, they release the single, um, What Makes You Beautiful. Oh and they're like, we want everyone to make a like dance video to the song. And okay. so all these like small groups of, you know, people around the country, like gather their like five to 10 friends maybe, and they do it. My high school being an all girls private school that was like obsessed with One Direction, decides to do a flash mob in the middle of our quad. And we're all there. There's like 30 or 40 something of us. Our like headmaster at the time was there. All of these teachers, we all do this like pop-up flash mob of choreo that these girls like made themselves. If TikTok had existed, it would have been like a viral TikTok. I was gonna say like, but it was like... on YouTube. We like uploaded it to YouTube. I don't know what girl from my high school uploaded that video, but like, congrats to her. She has thousands of views on that video. And so we put this video out, and we like are waiting on bated breath the day that they're gonna announce who wins this contest. And they announced that it's Dallas. And not no only way. not only is it Dallas, our video is like cited as the winning video. Oh like my God. Broke it. So over the intercom speaker at my high school, they go, okay, everyone class is like done for the rest of the day. Like you guys won the contest. Like, cause all of us started screaming and no one could focus. Like we all lost our, our minds cause we're all like on our phones, right? Like phones exist. Are, we have laptops at the school. We, no one can focus anymore. So they just like let us go for the second half of the day because we are all like crying in the hallways over the fact that One Direction is coming and they watched our video. I don't know if they watched the video, but I mean, they supposedly watched the video. Someone <laughs> and in we their were, team. Right, and so we were like losing our minds. And so they literally just let us go the second half of the day. And I then like go and I camp out in my car with my friends to get wristbands, to be able to go to the CD signing. And then they end up having to expand it because we like, they, they were expecting like 1,000 to 2,000 people to show up and over like 8,000 showed up to just the like wristband distribution, much less the actual event. So they ended up increasing it to like a 10,000 cap at a baseball stadium in Frisco, Texas, because they were like, we have to put them somewhere and like it has to be on this day. And it was total chaos. But like tons of people came in from all over Texas and the surrounding areas. And like, luckily, like not only just the kids who got the wristbands, like they let a bunch of other people in who couldn't get wristbands to That's just cool. see them. And they performed a couple songs and it was like, super special and literally I like walked away from that whole experience and I was like, I have to do this. Like this is, I made all of my best friends as a fan. I feel like so connected to my favorite group. Like I personally had this impact on them. Like I showed them my city and they came to my city and uh, on the music side, I'm like, 
and they freaking like went number one. I mean, or they got to like the song went really high. Maybe it was top 10. Maybe it was number three or seven. I can't remember top of my head, which is crazy that I even would. But I yeah. do have that kind of stuff. But like <laughs> their albums like went super high on the iTunes chart and just like. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like they made you buy an album to get a wristband, which was like good. You know, you, I mean, hey, you got to do it. it. <laughs> but I then didn't have to buy an album to get a wristband for all the rest of their records. And I have every single One Direction on CD, not like on vinyl, ooh, vinyl. But I have like all of them in physical CD form. That's kind of um, cooler just, now. Just because I like wanted the physical. I don't know. So I walked out of that and I was like, I have to do this for the rest of my life. Like there's absolutely no, no other option. Like I have to go into connecting artists and fans in a way that's meaningful and like helps propel their careers and also helps build like the fans one-to-one relationship with each other and with their artists and everything what an insanely good moment of i have to do this yeah like (laughs) i felt like i was in a movie like you're like you won they won we did we won it was a big deal what that's got to be like a national holiday or regional holiday now like one direction day like you got the the event was on march 23rd 2012 (laughs) the first time i saw one direction concert was june 23rd 2012 no march 24th 2012 i saw them in concert june 23rd 2012 um you're a crazy person and i I love it so much the album came out march 12th 2012 if i'm not incorrect don't like I can't promise all these are correct, but I, I don't even care. I have this them all insane. built into my brain. And so I will like quickly full circle loop that one because it's worth the payoff after hearing just heard what I all just said. Okay. So flash forward to 2014 or 15. Yeah. And One Direction are like winding down, like they're about to like do their whole retirement thing, but they're like a little bit closer. They're Zane's still in the group at that point. Mm-hmm. They're doing this big thing called One D Day, which is a seven hour live stream. It ended up being eight hours of literally just them playing stupid games on camera. And we all watched it, but it was like this huge deal. And like they were flying fans out to be able to get to go and like see them and meet them on set and everything. And it was like a big deal. And they put out a tweet that said like, hey, if you're a really big fan in your city, like we want to hear your One Direction story. And so at that point, like I had flown around the country to see in One Direction, like not exclusively to see them, but I was like, I would tailor things specifically to getting to see them and like route my life around it. And I had just like met so many people. There had been a second Bring 1D to your favorite city, which was like, they took them to Ellen. So, you know, I wonder if it was, LA really won <laughs> but not that I'm bitter but I like helped set up see you Ellen <laughs> see you yep I like had set up some of those videos for that like there was a there was one we had to do like another like music video makeup and there was like 150 fans that I organized to come do this video shoot and I would like I had gone like full in on like this is everything I want I'm gonna do as much of this as I can like grassroots right now yeah. so I emailed columbia like this long essay about everything i'd ever done for one direction amazing and they reached out to me and they were like hey we want to film you for 1d day like we want you to represent dallas as like the biggest fan in the city and i was like okay holy crap i was like wow and there were a couple other girls that i met there who also had like really incredible stories but they took us back to rough rider stadium where that event was in 2012 and they rented it out for us and we got to recreate the photos. Like there's this iconic one of them walking out onto the baseball field and they got had us like recreate it. With they, the band? Um, like where where the band was. The band oh, okay. wasn't there. Oh, okay. No, it was just like us fans. Um, Still sick. 
no, it was literally like the coolest thing ever. And I brought like a box of my memorabilia and we like went through it. I probably talked to them for like 50 minutes and they cut it down to like maybe a seven second soundbite, which shit. is like really a bummer for me. And it wasn't even a good soundbite, but I got my name on it. So I don't really care. And as a thank you at the end of it, they gave us like personal, personally like signatured um, notes from the group and these lanyards, which is what my key's on over there, um, the red one. Ew. And I, I've to this day kept my keys on. I, I will never change out that lanyard. It was a personal gift to me from One Direction for being their biggest fan. Done. Um, in Dallas. So, yeah, no, that was, and so that was like crazy. And I brought my friend that I went to the event with, um, as my plus one, and we like did that whole thing, and it was just like the biggest full circle moment for me. Um, until I actually got to work with Harry Styles, which is like insane. But it was like the biggest moment for me of like feeling like acknowledged and like everything I'd done as a fan and like the, the label side of it cared or the artist cared that I'd put this much effort in and that I had done all this stuff. And so it was really fulfilling to be able to like feel recognized, I guess, yeah. for being a fan. Well, it's so cool that you're aware of that because yeah. like you saw there's so many One Direction fans. Like there's yeah. no shortage. There is, so there is nothing. <laughs> the fact that you cared that much, but you were noticed and acknowledged and you got that, like that's yeah. fucking cool. Yeah, well, that just makes me that much more stoked that you are where you are in music and that you can continue. Like the yeah. more you do, the more you'll be able to speak to that and guide totally. other people. So like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But again, in your story, so- all this is happening and you have this moment where you're just like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And to my like friendship understanding of what I know is that kind of led to some of your first internships. And there was really no question of what you like other jobs that you tried to work and all that. Yeah. So how did that evolution then go? For there? sure. So five seconds summer opened for five for one direction on tour in 2013. And I my world was rocked upside down. Like that's I said, like news. I was a pop punk kid and there's this group that's like very poppy, but doing like pop punky sounds and they're personable. They're all my age. I was like, this is it. Oh my God. And One Direction was too big for me to be able to do anything meaningful for them at that point. Yeah. Like, like it, literally it within happened. two years, it was too big and I was too late to the curve. Like I was too young when it started and they were just too popular. They didn't need the grassroots fan marketing in the same way that Five Seconds of Summer did. Yeah. So I joined a fan account, Five Sauce Updates USA, and it was me and like these four other girls from around the US. And we would just like tweet about them all the time. And we would go to record stations and we would tell them to play them even though they didn't have a label yet. They like hadn't signed a capital, hadn't released a single. We were like bringing their EP that they self-released in um, Australia to like Z100 in New York and be like, you have to play this. And they're like, you're 17, go home. And um, we were just like pushing it so aggressively. And so we had this account and I like, that became like my only personality trait was that I ran this update account. And everyone at school knew that I was like this like insane person who ran this account. And, you know, it's so funny thinking back on it. Cause you know, when you actually talk about like, okay, so how did I actually get into this? How did I get my internships and stuff? I like in college, which is really when I started to like properly intern, I always utilized my fan account as my biggest selling point. I'm like, I don't have experience, relevant experience for this internship. First of all, internships shouldn't necessarily have relevant experience. That's like kind you're of trying to get your foot in the that's door. That's literally <laughs> defeating the purpose. But regardless, um, I'm like, you know, reaching out to MTV and Viacom, trying to get an internship. I'm reaching out to record labels, trying to get internships. And my cover letter is basically just 
I run this fan account. It has 165,000 followers. I clearly know something about music marketing. Otherwise, I wouldn't have this level of success doing this all on my own with my friends. Um, hire me. And so I, I got my first internship at VH1 because the recruiter there um, just like really dug my story. And so even though they didn't have like a job that fit what I wanted to do, he was like, I want to get something on your resume for you yeah. because like you need this and you cool. like need to make it. And I was like, thank you. And so I worked as a programming intern at VH1, which is like literally I would get up at five in the morning, print out stuff like all of the schedules for the day, highlight them color coded based on the show and then like put them on executives desks in the morning. Like it was that kind of internship. Let's go. But I was like, I need something. And then my junior year of um, college in the summer between sophomore and junior year, I emailed this place that was doing music marketing, paid media in Boston, which is where I went to school. And I was like, I will do anything for you. I know that you do music and no one in Boston really does music. So please let me work for you. And they said, yeah, sure. I mean, we have enough interns already, but like, we'll take you, why not? Like, sure. You seem like you have a pretty decent like head on your shoulders. And so I learned so much during that like fall semester internship that helped me just get a good grip on what does the business side of things look like? Because everyone, you know, everyone thinks they know how to run an Instagram account. That's like what I'll liken it to. Like everyone yeah. has their own. So they think they know what they're doing. Yeah. That was the first time I really got experience understanding what it really means to perform on social media and oh. like what, you know, your key KPIs are and um, what stats you're looking for. What are, what is meaningful numbers that you could be pulling? Um, how to run like audience targeting on the back ends of all of these platforms because I would be like setting paid media ads. Wow. Um, so I learned so much during that one, but it was literally just for me cold emailing them and being like, I really want to work for you. No way. Um, yeah. And I mean, granted, you then had the experience. You're like, I made this five sauce account. Yep. I've already done one internship. So it's yep. not like you were nothing, but like yep. it was a cold email. Exactly. So I get those two on my resume. Yeah. And then comes the big one, which is it's the summer between my junior and senior year. And I cannot tell you how stressed I am about getting a big job. I like can't, I cried to my parents so many days on the phone about like, if I don't get an internship at Sony, Warner, or UMG, I'm never going to make it in the industry. Like, it's too, like, I'm going to be too late. If I don't get a college internship, I'm going to be too late to be able to make it. Wow. Like, I just was so stressed about it. I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. And you're in Boston. At the I'm time. in Boston. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm actually studying abroad in um, Madrid, but oh, I'm crazy. applying to everything over the summer. Yeah. And so I, um, I'm literally applying to everything and anything music related, but I'm in Boston. So I apply to every internship I can find between Boston and New York. Okay. Um, that's vaguely music related. At least New York has a lot more. Exactly. So, yeah. so I was like, I will find a way to live in New York for the summer yeah. if I have to, like yeah. I'll squat on someone's couch. I'll rent a dorm at NYU. Like I'll do whatever it takes if I can get a job. So I apply to all of the majors. I apply to, um, like iHeart and MTV and like everything I think about. And I apply to Spotify. And I applied to like four different roles at Spotify, three of them in New York, one in Boston. And I get an email regarding the one in Boston. They're like, hey, they like they want to interview you. And I said, okay, great, perfect. Um, you know, and so I like get on a Zoom call at like a really weird hour of the night because I'm in Europe. Um, and I interview with the guy who would become my boss for my first like two years at Spotify. Shout out to Matt Santiago, really the really the homie. Damn. Um, shout out, man. Really, he's like, he never, he's always like, you need to take more credit for what you do. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But also, like, you're the best. 
Um, so I do this interview and, you know, I mean, like I had some stuff to my name, but it was literally like they're looking for someone who had, you know, kind of any interest in getting into the artist side because it was for, it was for the interest, the internship title was Artist Insights. They told me they were like trying to host these shows at the Boston office and I would be working those shows and I would be helping them with their fans first program and helping like scale that and work on their pre-sales and their merch and all these different things that they offered. And I said, oh my gosh, please, like I will do anything. Like I definitely want to do that. You know, I I eventually get through the rest of the rounds of the interviews and I I get the internship and I ask Matt a couple years later, like, hey, you know, what was it that actually set me apart? Like, yeah. what was it that actually made me rise above the other, like super qualified kids that I'm sure applied to this? And he's like, your fan account. He's like, your understanding of how fans work, communicate, and like conglomerate together is so unique to that experience that he's like, we were trying to understand how fans would be talking about these shows online and like how they would be talking about our program and you know, what kind of terminology they do. He's like, you not only had this social media experience of like running these accounts and knowing the metrics and knowing the back end, he's like, you know what to search. Like, you know what fans, what terminology fans use. You know what they're saying. You know what positive and negative sentiment is. Like, I worked with this one tool that we ended up bringing on um, for a couple of years. And I like basically rewrote their entire formula for sentiment because I'm like, you can't trust that any of these words are positive or negative. Like in certain contexts, if you were saying like, like, holy shit, this shit is fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. That's going to pull up big negative sentiment right. everywhere. Right, you're hearing a bunch of swear right. words. Right, exactly. And it's like, yeah, but, maybe the word awesome, but right. all the other words. Everything else is going to like mess it up. Or like KMS, I want to die. Right. And you're like, that's bad. And you're like, right. you're like actually. No, that's the highest compliment, <laughs> right. that is actually. Like peak, um, sentiment. <laughs> yeah. So I basically like rewrote how these people do all this stuff because of the way that fans talk and like what fan culture looks like. And it changes every day. I mean, I have a hard time keeping up with fan terminology with TikTok, especially. I feel like that's like changed the game on like how people communicate. Because if you don't get that one video on your page, suddenly you don't understand why people are dropping chair emojis in the in the comments. But then you finally get it. And then you're like, oh, I'm in on the joke now. Got it. Chair, 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 chair. Fucking internet. <laughs> It's so jacked and I have to pay attention to it every day. Because it's always been like that, right? Yes. Like it's always been the evolution of like this exactly. means nothing, but it's the funny thing to do right now. Yes. But like, I don't know the chair thing and like you're saying that. It basically and I'm like, means LOL. You just put the chair emoji over and over again. That's like LOL. So if you go into the comment section, there's a bunch of Gen Z kids dropping chairs. It means that you're funny. <laughs> That'll probably be done by the time this episode comes yeah. out. Like it won't be cool anymore. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, like Gen Z lingo. So that was what ended up like actually setting me apart. And so, you know, I think back to when I was in high school and like I had all these kids making fun of me and I couldn't get a date to a dance and like no one wanted to like be my friend because I would spend all of my time on the internet. And I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> I, I made it. I done did that. Yeah. Um, you internet kidded the and best. It, it was like, I, I knew that this was something that was gonna matter. I knew it was important. I knew what I was doing. I mean, it was for fun. It was absolutely for fun, but I also like had greater ambitions to it. I was like, this is gonna be something. Like yeah. I know that what I'm doing right now is going to help me in the future. Don't you feel like that's a common theme in people that have had early success at things is like, when you look back, you're like, oh, that's a no brainer. Like, oh, of course. But that feeling of in the moment, you're just like, I know this is cool. I know this is good, 
but I can't fully explain to you every level of why it will work or what it is. Yeah. And then later on, it's like, ah. Exactly. And I like actively laugh because I've, I mean, whatever, I talked to my manager, but then I also talked to my parents later on where my dad, um, because in high school, whatever, I like desperately wanted to work in music. My dad's like, oh yeah, in high school, I started saving extra because I assumed that after college, I probably would need to support you because there was like no way you'd be making enough to survive trying to work in the music industry after graduation. He's like, come on. And then- What a loving father, but that's right. also really He funny. was like, I'm never going to tell you that, <laughs> that I don't believe that you're going to be able to make it, but I'm going to let you try. Like, I'm going to let you put in the effort to make it, but like, I'm going to prepare in case it doesn't work out. And so then when I got my gig and I like had been working at Spotify for um, like a year and a half, two years, my dad t- finally told me that he had done that. He's like, oh, instead, I just had extra cash because you were, you were doing fine on your <laughs> Thanks, own. Thanks, kid. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, dad. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate yeah, it. I went and refinished the basement. I appreciate your success. <laughs> they built a pool. I get it. <laughs> the Alexa pool. Oh, man. That's, that's great. Yeah. So, okay, the internship goes well. You stay with Spotify. Yeah. So I do the internship at Spotify over the summer, and it was great, wonderful. Like, I felt like I learned so much, and I got so much great exposure, and I loved my team that I worked with. At the end of that internship, again, shouts to Matt, he said, do you want to just work part-time through your senior year? And I was like, um, I absolutely want to work part time yeah. through my senior year. Are you kidding me? Yeah, like say like, less, done, done. Literally, and we're doing these like sick basement shows. We had like we had Lauv come through before he was anything. Like literally, like I I like me better had just come out, and we had him play our basement for like a hundred people at Spotify. Yeah, at Spotify, oh, we had yeah. RKCB come through. We had um, God, we had just so many like sick at Tiger's Jaw. That was one of my favorite shows. Oh my God, that was so good. Darling Side. Like we had all these small, like mostly local kind of New England acts. Yeah. Because like that's what we were running out of that office. Now like in different offices, they had like Kelsey Ballerini before she had her come up in Nashville. I mean, it was awesome. Like that feeling of Spotify. Like a company doesn't need to do that. But like what if we we did cool shows with the local artists? Yeah. It was was so awesome. And so we were working all these basement shows there and I was doing all this like back end like building of you know, what social media reporting would look like for this program. And so he's like, please continue to do this while you school. And I said, great, I will school and work, no problem. And so I like just tailored my, I took like the weirdest classes that year because I just needed enough credits to graduate. And Mm -hmm. I also needed as many days that I could go into the office as possible because I also didn't want to be in college. I was like super miserable my senior year of college. And so I like built my schedule so I would only have to go into classes two days a week and I'd be able to work in the office three days a week. And so I would just commute from, um, if anyone knows Boston, it's not close. I was at BC um, over in Chestnut Hill and I would commute all the way to um, Somerville, which is like you have to go all the way into the city and then go all the way back out. If there had been just like a bridge, it would have been easy, but I didn't have a car, RIP. I did this like massive commute and I worked there through my senior year. And then I worked there until um, April of 2019 when I um, pivoted from that team. And I was like, I need to move. I want to change. And that's when I moved to LA and I started working on the social media team for Spotify. When did we? Wow. We met in like May of 2019. Oh June, my God. June of, we met June of 2019. You met me as Broken Leg Andrew floating in yes. Josh's pool, right? Correct. Okay. So then that would have been like June, July. July. Yeah. Yeah. Because I met Josh and Ben in 2019 at our um, local natives event. I didn't realize that we met so early into you coming to LA. I literally just moved to LA. You guys were like my first friends here outside of the friends that I already knew. That's so cool. Yeah. 
And that's why I like doing these episodes. It's so I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, I was I lived in LA for less. I have lived in LA for less time during outside of the pandemic than I have during the pandemic. So rough. I it's I didn't even live in LA for a full year without the pandy. Wow. That's crazy. I guess I was like a year before that, but still. Yeah. I, I had I really didn't put it together that you were so fresh to LA. So mm-hmm. you get to LA, that's a big move. And that's yeah. like quite the like, wow, okay, we're yeah. doing this. It was so I just like wanted to be closer to music. Like I felt like I was so far away. Or just closer to entertainment and everything. Like Boston has its scene and the Boston scene is sick in a lot of respects. Like I loved, especially for like punky Mograge music, which yeah. is my shit. Yeah. So I was like vibing out there. But at the same point, I was like, I really want to be able to grow and build something like myself and my skill set and everything. I felt like Boston just wasn't going to be able to provide me with like the network that I needed to be able to do that. Yeah. And so when the opportunity came to move to LA, I was like, I I have to do this. This is the right move for me. And then getting here, like it really has been, I mean, I've gotten to meet so many people. I've gotten to really build myself. And like, I don't think you have to live in LA or New York to be able to do those kinds of things. But at the same point, like it definitely is helpful to be able to have just like nice like-minded people around you a lot of the times and it also has allowed me to like find these other fans who are on the same kind of path as me where now i'm like all of us have this like similar grassroots story now if it's for one artist another that's its own thing but we all had such a passionate love for musicians and like artistry that we had to turn into a career yeah and i feel like that wouldn't have happened for me if I hadn't moved to LA. That's cool. That's again, really well said. And like some of the people that you said in the beginning of the episode, like a lot of them are here too, right? Yeah. A couple of them are here. A couple of them are in New York. Um, One of my friends who like, she just did this dope event for NCT 127 and she's still in Houston. So like you can do it in other places for sure. Like it's crazy the amount of, of fans who are able to really like build that. But a lot of them are out here now with me. Yeah. And okay, so then when you moved to LA, what did your title then become? Is that kind of when you got deeper into like yeah. the social media side Yeah, of it? so I became social media coordinator for Spotify. And that's when I actually started like running the social media accounts. Like I yeah. actually got all the keys and I, you know, was able to post on it. Yeah. Before I was just doing like analytics and like more social listening right. than actually social media content creation. Yeah. And so now like I was a coordinator and now I'm a specialist. It's, you know, whatever title changes, I like am just building content like all the time. I'm like ideating content and coming up with, um, like I'm writing copy for the account. I do like what, how you'd imagine running any social media account. I do that. We just have different remits within all of us. Like we all together run this account. Right. Um, but cause it's a, a lot of work, but Much. it's really fulfilling in a lot of ways when something takes off or, or an artist responds really well to something, or you get to shoot content with someone that's like really meaningful to you. Like I said, like getting to work with Harry Styles was like the biggest full circle moment of my so entire life. Cool. I afterwards, like, you know, whatever, dust settles, it's already happened, the event is wrapped. I call my mom, sob on yeah. the phone. Yeah. I'm like, did you say shit? <laughs> I can't believe this happened. This is the best moment of my life. <laughs> 
I think those moments are so cool. I yeah. think like no matter how like professional you become in your industry and how established and respected you are, like I think it's cool to fan out over the people that you've respected or that came up admiring. Yeah. Like there's a way, there's tact, right? It's not like you're exactly. on this shoot. Being it's like, not oh. like I'm staring in his face crying yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, but exactly. it's just like, I don't know. I always appreciate that. And I always take the time like to tell somebody like, hey, by the way, like that's, I, I've, you've been a big inspiration to this. Like, thank you for whatever. Totally. And, like, I, I wish people would do that more. I hate that it's like not you cool. You have to be too cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. fuck that. Like, if somebody did cool stuff, it's like. No, I like absolutely without like a question of a doubt at Spotify internally. If you say like Stan, they're like, oh, it's Alexa. You yeah. have to talk to Alexa. She's like the fan yeah. at the company, like without question. There's a lot of us that like kind of hide in the shallows, but I'm very loud about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's, so I'll get on my momentary soapbox. Um, and then I will Please. like let us have more of a conversation. No, um, I, I love it. When I am giving advice to fans or people who want to work in the music industry, I always say lead with your passion because beyond the fact that I literally got my start in the music industry because I was a big fan, if someone doesn't want to hire you because you love what they're working on too much, they're not going to be successful. And I, I think that a lot of the stigma around fandom in music is basically just rooted in sexism um, because so much of fandom is seen as women. Yeah. And so I think that that like is a predominant underlying issue that like needs to be rooted out. However, yeah. imagine walking into a job interview for the Cowboys and saying like, well, I mean, I love football, right? I love football, but I'm actually an Eagles fan. <laughs> Everyone would be like, okay, you need to get the hell out yeah. of here. Like, <laughs> no, like, cool. you can't do that. It, to me, that's the same as if someone walks into a music industry interview and let's say they're like applying to a label and they say, I mean, I love pop music. Yeah, I love pop music. Um, you know, like what so-and-so is doing is great, but you know, like, oh, my favorite band, my favorite band has to be X and it's not whatever person they're trying to work on. That person's going to walk away and be like, yeah, that person like is chill about it. They're like, that's totally like <laughs> if instead of walking in, if you walked in, you said, oh my God, I am so-and-so's biggest fan. Like I think they are, what they're doing is so incredible. Here are all these nuanced references to like their discography and the things I know about them and how their story is really inspirational in terms of like how they came to get their job and how they came to be an artist and like what they talk about and what they talk about in their lyrics and, and you know, their philosophy on like X, Y, Z. If you come in and you say something like that, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's like the at least that I mean, I haven't interviewed like that before, but that's the vibe I get yeah. off of even just when I get excited about stuff around people. If you walked into a sports interview and you weren't able to like cite all of the years they had won the national championship, like the Super Bowl, they would never hire you. They'd be like, you don't have the fundamental basic knowledge to be able to work at our company. Yeah, Goodbye. That, yeah. And that would not that would be the total opposite in music if you came in and knew everything yeah well i mean i don't know that's weird because like you're saying that to me and i'm like oh my god like let me get that person that's amazing but you're right, right. there is certain there's like a weird like, stigma like, in certain places yeah where it's like you have to be too cool for the thing you're working on like, exactly and it's like i think it's not even necessarily that you have to be like too cool but it's that you can be too much of a fan okay yeah. and it's like there's a level of professionalism, sure, and I absolutely acknowledge that's true. There are some people that absolutely can't hold their chill around people. Right. There are. But to assume that everyone is this like niche minority 
especially because they're like young women yeah. is wrong yeah, and that's like some bullshit. incorrect. Yeah. And so I always tell people to lead with their, like I said, like lead with your passion. And if they think that you're too, you're too invested, like they're already thinking about it backwards and you're yeah, gonna be better off somewhere else. Not the right fit at exactly. all. It's not gonna be a culture fit. Go find somewhere where that is going to be nurtured and appreciated. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that I have been in a position where that has been nurtured and appreciated. But I know lots of people who certainly have felt like they've had to quiet themselves in their fandom in order to to get jobs. And that is disheartening to me. That is disheartening. And it, it's, I think everything you just said there is the right way to think about it. And it's like, absolutely own what you love. Because think about it on both sides. If you're going and working with somebody that's like, yo, amazing, you know all this, good. And empowering you to go deeper, that's great. Right. But then also for you, if you own what you love and then work in what you love, that's such a fulfilling career. Right. And it gives you so much passion and motivation to keep going. Right. So yeah, that's that's amazing. That's a stand on the soapbox more. That's I great. Know. What else do you got? I think about this all the time. And I just I feel like if there was better mentorship for like an understanding of people in positions that are able to be mentors, yeah, of like what nurturing a fan looks like and mm -hmm. building them into a successful executive that we would be in such a strong position yeah as like an industry to be able to to fix a lot of the problems that are existing and like help with sales and things like that i mean i obviously as a k-pop fan like i participate in physical album sales like nobody's business yeah and i understand why i do that because it's like about the fandom. Yeah. That's why you do it. You do it because of the artist. You do it because of the fandom. And I feel like, you know, if people took that kind of, you can't replicate that to be fair. Like I want to quickly say that you can't just like replicate what K-pop does in the US or anything. Mm. But there are tons of elements that could be adapted and built to be able to create that same level of passion and love and relationship that would increase sales at the end of the day like yes. build bottom line build the the need to participate in a physical way yeah. with the music and i had this question as you were saying that i was like this is amazing but it's like okay you're talking about like mentorship and you're talking about like how to like really like have that further understanding mm -hmm. so here we are having this discussion and, right. and i hope like I, I love it and i hope that anyone listening that relates is like yes but like, what is that then advice of like, okay, cool. You're aware enough of like, I am a super fan of X and I will, I, I feel you, Alexa. Like I, I had that moment. I need to work in this. I need to yeah. do this. What are some of the skills that you personally learned or that you think were some of the most valuable that let you be taken seriously in the music industry and gave you that chance where people were like, all right, yeah, like you have that super fan side, right. but here you are delivering X. Yeah. I think being able to really understand how to present yourself yeah. is really important. Being able to walk into a room and feel confident in yourself. And I think like confidence is a really challenging skill to develop, but there's so many different ways to explore it. But really being able to own that. And like, if you don't question your value, it's going to be a lot harder for other people too. If you're not doubting your value, it's going to be a lot harder for other people to, to like immediately jump to that. But if you walk in and you're not feeling as like strong and centered in your conviction, that's going to 
be a lot more challenging for you to be able to sell people on your vision because fans have like an uphill battle still in a lot of ways and it's getting better, but it's still, there's a lot of work. So yeah, you're saying that and I'm thinking about that. It's like, why is that the general feeling or demeanor of like, if you're a fan, you have to be like nervous and like, oh my God, like that's, right. that's not it. Like those exactly. two aren't related. Exactly. You can be confident as hell. And it's like, I sometimes will go to concerts twice if they're doing two dates because I do one as a music industry person with like a good, happy, excited fan moment. And then I go do one where I'm in the pit, like vibing because I want to have fun too. That's And so I can cool. have fun in both environments, but at the same point, like you will see me on the floor at the BTS tour with my army bomb crying, Yeah, but I will also be like in a box if that's where they put me. Like I'll, I can, you can flex into any of that. And I think like being able to turn, not turn on and off your fandom, because I think that's too dramatic of a term, but I think being able to like speak about it in a way that helps present your vision clearly. Yeah, like turn on like business professional. Exactly. You can talk about, you know, I can give you a rap sheet for anyone that I love in terms of like their accomplishments and things like that in a way that would make you want to sell a deal with them. Yeah. And it's like, I also can tell it to you in a way that's like, I'm talking to you on the street corner as we're waiting for a cup sleeve with Jimin's face on it. Like I can do both. And I think that's what it is. It's just figuring out like, how do I turn the way that I talk about things passionately with my friends into like, how would I restructure this conversation in a way that would like be appealing if trying to pitch it or sell it? Yeah. And I think it's more so just about like building a wider vocabulary for yourself that like, speaks both in standum and in business sense because you know I definitely flex in and out of that. I feel like when I'm at work or when I'm even doing this podcast like I very much am like turned on yeah, in yeah. terms of how I speak and how I present myself because also like every fan in the music industry is representing all fans. Like you know if I came on here and I botched this <laughs> <laughs> and then a bunch of people watched it. I A would like hurt myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd really be a it. bummer for me. Yeah. <laughs> but it would also be a bummer for everyone who listens to this and then was like maybe considering hiring a fan is in like, oh, hell no, I can't do that because right. they could be like that. Or like, oh, they're going to talk. They're going to come in and they're going to talk about like this and they're going to talk in this voice and they're going to say whatever and they're going to like get really emotional and they're going to cry about this or whatever. And like, I you can't do that, you right. know, because we're like a lot of, the girlies I mentioned and stuff were like trailblazing a path for these fans and we can't do them dirty like that by like Talking mispresenting cool. ourselves. So um, I at least like take a lot of responsibility for that in terms of like how I present myself and how I go about my job and how I talk about this yeah. topic specifically. But I just think that it's all about, you know, figuring out how to, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're in school, I think a lot about, you know, when I was first learning all this stuff, you know, I was in high school and I'm learning the like how you build a thesis statement, right? All these basic level things. That's the same shit. It's just in a conversation, in an elevator pitch, in a, a in a deck, like a Google, you know, in a Google deck. And that's all it is. It's still a thesis statement of you should buy into my artist because X, or you should buy into me to market your artist artist because Y. Right. It's the same kind of very fundamental, like argument creation strategy that you yeah. would employ that you know you learn when you're pretty young it's just like learning how to adapt that into a business sense that allows for you to really um market yourself and i think you know 
in terms of skills for the actual job, like if you're a really big fan, like you know what fans want. I always think about it as like, you're your target audience. You know exactly what you want. Yeah. Go do it. Like, yeah. And and why would you not want to hire your target audience either? Because yeah. they know what they want. You know, I think about a lot of companies right now that are like so focused on Gen, we have to win Gen Z. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, then go hire some Gen Z kids who know what they're doing. And then don't get in their way either. Exactly. Yeah. Then don't put parameters on, oh, well, we can't do that. Yeah. Well, then you're you're not going to win. Yeah. You're not going to be able to like win this audience you're trying to get. You know, I think about that a lot because that's like, you know, a big buzzword I feel like in the music industry right now is like, well, we have to get Gen Z. How are we going to get Gen Z? I'm like, well, you you got to listen to the kids, man. I just think it's a lot about, you know, Figuring out, thinking about also like self-reflecting and thinking about what you want. You know, I will often like whenever I buy merch or I buy a physical item, I do a like couple tests with myself about like, why did I do that? Was it because I love the song and I want to really represent, I want to promote the song. There's like a hoodie I bought the other day because I love this song so much and it has the song title on the front and I want right. people to ask me what it is. That way cool. I can tell them to go yeah. stream it. Yeah, yeah, so um, Loser Lover by Tomorrow I Together. There it is. <laughs> um, and then other times I'll be like, I bought this merch because it's dope and it's well-designed. It looks cool. It just looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this incredible purple tie-dye tracksuit I bought from this one group that I'm like, it's just a sick tie-dye tracksuit. How track can suit. you not have a purple tie-dye exactly. tracksuit? Exactly. It's just awesome. So yeah. I'm like, I have to buy that because it looks awesome. And then I think about like when I buy physical CDs and I'm like, it's because I, I want the artist to chart because they deserve it. Wow. Like I love them and I want to provide money in their pockets or in the pockets of whoever, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I want to. You're voting with your dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to rise mm -hmm. because of this. I also want the photo card, but I really want them to rise. <laughs> like I want them to achieve <laughs> things. I want people to take them seriously. Yeah. Like that's, I think that way a lot about a lot of the artists. And I think this is something that like. I'm gonna give Harry Styles another quick shout because he do really I. do be like that. In his Rolling Stone article, he said he like has this really incredible paragraph. He talks about like fans and female fans and how he makes what is maybe more traditionally palatable music for men nowadays compared to One Direction. Like you could say, you could argue that. That's a very like that's something that people say. And this interviewer for Rolling Stone is very much like leading him down this path of, well, are you looking to break out of just your like young female demographic? Yeah. You know, this music has really heavy rock influences. You're talking about all this stuff that has more of a traditional male following. Are you trying to like shake this? I am a female pop star, um, like a, whatever, like a pop star for females yeah. um, mentality. And he's like, young women are awesome and what they care about is awesome. And it's like, he said it way better than I just said it, but that's the gist of it. Yeah. And I feel so fervently for artists that don't understand the value of their female, young female followerships, yeah. or feel like they can't be taken seriously in the music industry, or people in the music industry who feel like they shouldn't take artists seriously because they have young female followerships. I always am like, I want to prove them wrong. And yeah. if that means I'm buying a physical CD to be like, damn, don't you wish that people bought your artist CDs? Maybe you should care about us, the fans, yeah, um, and treat us better and like be respectful to us in the way that you market to us and the way you engage with us, the way you present your artists, the way you do ticket like raffles on the street when you have extras, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Like maybe if you were less rude to the fans, 
they would be advocating for you in that kind of way. I love that you said that because I think that I accidentally learned that lesson. I learned two accidental lessons where now I see it and I'm like, hell yeah, where it was the first band that I ever toured with had like a large, large young female fan base. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really think anything of it. We were just like, oh my God, anyone came to the show. Thank you so much. Right. But then you would kind of get those other like bro-y bands that would be like, oh, like look at your like, little girl fans, whatever. And so quickly for us, we're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, who sold the most merch tonight? Who had right. the craziest crowd tonight? Wow, that's great. Enjoy all your like dude fans, whatever. Like we right. don't care. And it's like dude and fans are awesome. We love dude exactly, fans like as that's, well. Yeah. But it's the fact that if people feel like there was a lesser connotation. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, that is so annoying. It's so wrong. And yes. like, and then going from that to then the first job that I had at a record label where it was primarily women working there and everyone was so fucking good at what they did. And I was like, oh yeah. But I realized that those are kind of like serendipitous moments that made it feel like a no brainer to yeah. me. Because then you think about like certain people that do have a prejudice or don't understand that. And you're like, that is dumb. Why can't, the people that are your fans just be your fans. Like, yeah. why does there have to be a hierarchy of fandom in a way? Yeah. That just like doesn't make sense to me. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of artists and I know that that's like a really contentious issue, especially in charting and things right now around like, oh, well, do these young fans count in the same, or like, oh, they're buying physical singles to get to the hot 100 number one. Maybe we should change the way the charts are working. And it's like, that's so crazy. To think about, like, okay, is it just because their audience is young and female? Shout out to RM, who's never going to listen to this from <laughs> BTS, who um, in his Billboard article says, like, people come at ARMY for the way that they get us to the top of the Hot 100 because of the fact that they're young and we're a K-pop artist and we're not from the U.S. and our fans are young and passionate. And he goes, I think it's really unfair that people are, like, discrediting the fact that we have all of these mega number one hits that we yeah. do because that's our fandom yeah like all of a sudden you're like calling this it's like oh these aren't real people like what whatever combination it is like the fans are there and they're gonna they're gonna do it yeah because they just want to be taken seriously they want to be taken seriously and they want their artists to be taken seriously no I, I love it so much and kind of a callback to that in your advice to somebody that's listening to this and that does want a job and like mm -hmm. like yourself or just relates to all of this and something that i admire so much about you is being able to articulate certain ideas in business speak or professionally. Mm -hmm. And I really loved the way you said that and kind of something that I heard through all of that that was a reminder to myself, and I hope everybody catches this, is like whatever you're deeply passionate about, I promise you, you can speak business or professionally yes, about. Yes, you can. Like I, I hate when people – are so remarkably good at something or so in-depth understanding of it, but then they're like, oh, well, like, I'm just a fan. Like, whatever. It's like, I promise you you're more qualified to speak on that than a billion of the bozos that I've talked to right. that have the professional job. So, like, taking that and being like, okay, awesome. If I'm passionate about this, knowing, like, having that confidence of, like, I can speak to this, and then just challenging yourself to, like, learn the right words and the way to phrase things and like right. some of the more professional, I don't know, even like buzzwords around exactly. it. Exactly. And I think like if you do your research around certain topics, I mean, like I definitely don't know all of the inner metrics on how to chart on a whole bunch of stuff, but there are whole accounts out there that do, and they are very passionate about saying that. And I promise you that some of those accounts, some of those fan accounts out there definitely know how 
the like chart system works at every place that has a chart yeah better than a bunch of people in the music industry totally like, way better totally um, that's like that feeling of just like oh the industry must know best and all that and it's like that's why i wanted you on the show is like you came from just being a real ass fan and now you are in the industry yeah. you are a part of that so it's like th the industry gets better when people are just like oh cool the fans the people that care those are the ones that are now shaping it like that's the exactly best. i like i was listening to one of the other episodes that you recorded in the past and um I can't remember who the guest was, but they were talking about how you can't like have a room of mirrors, mm. like where everyone looks just like you and yeah. like, has all the stuff around you. Oh yeah, maybe Rod. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And I, that's just something that I feel so strongly about because like, you know, I am like, first of all, like a Native American Mexican woman mm -hmm. <laughs> who's a Gen Zer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I look very different when I walk into a room mm -hmm. in most music industry situations. Yeah. But then I walk into a stadium full of fans and I look just like everyone else. And that to me is like so cool. And, you know, like I, I like when people are able to see like, oh, wow, like, you know, first of all, like that is like our number one fan walking in the room, like cool, awesome. And like getting to work with artists and have them like recognize that you like really know what you're talking about. Like that's refreshing to them too. And it's really exciting. And so I, I just, I feel like that's such an important thing that people don't think about as much is that you have to have diversity of mind and thought and opinion. Yeah. And it's also like a divert, not even like literal physical diversity, yeah. but also a diversity of experience, a diversity of passion. Like you have to have some stoic bros every once in a while or you know like gals who bring break it bring it down a little bit yeah. like sometimes you can get you can get a little heated you can get a little hot you can get a little excited about what you're thinking about what you're brewing and someone has to go okay but we only have x about in the budget right so like let's like figure out how we can you know make this reasonable you have to have those kinds of people but at the same point you have to have the other extreme like if you're gonna have someone who's gonna come in here and like you know guardrail everything you have to have someone who's trying to like bust the gates yeah, at the same yeah. point you have to have both sides of that otherwise you're just not going to be thinking creatively in a way yeah like something that i've always like just like that open-mindedness right like i don't think like diversity doesn't have to be like this fake woke thing of like exactly. oh how many males how many females do we have like this that and this it's like no just like how how can you have somebody that's had such different experiences in their life that also cares deeply about what you care about yep. bring something else to the table? Exactly. How can I be wrong? Like, how can I look at something that I thought I knew and have somebody completely flip it? And that's a good thing. Exactly. Because then we learn and then we're mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, like Alexa started doing all of this fan stuff like this. I loved that too. Like I love pop punk. So if you came at it from all of this way and you're here now and we're friends and I came at it from this way, like, what can we learn together? And how could like, there's so, oh God. Exactly. It, yes, yeah. Oh my God. That's why I'm so excited about the reemergence of pop punk because I hope that a lot of the marketing styles change with yeah. the new route. Like wow. I really hope, because I think, I think we all know, you know, both of us being people who have, even though I didn't work in the scene, I like lived the scene of being a fan, how toxic it can be and was in yeah. a lot of times. I think any scene, but we certainly but saw it. But we certainly it. Yeah. saw yeah. it in the pop punk community. Um, and I just like really hope, especially with like towards women in this next route of things, yeah. like this next round of really up and coming 
celebs in that sound that we fix a lot of the problems yeah. and that these like really dope ass women and these like sick people with different perspectives come in and like help make it a, a healthier and like thriving environment and i'm like i want that so bad because i love the music so much and i just want it to be like a flourishing place for people to go and engage like the pop punk fandom is such a good fandom in terms of like learning what a passionate fan community looks like yep. at a small scale yep you can't replicate what a gigantic massive artist has like you can't you can learn from studying ariana grande's fans but it's a lot harder to like you know really understand to it get that granular it's just feeling. so big it's yeah. so robust so something like a pop punk band which has this like crazy stupid passionate community which i've always found in that scene it's so much more palatable in terms of size of being able to like learn how it works learn yeah. how it functions people follow groups in that community in a way that i only really see rivaled by these like massive pop stars yeah like yeah. people follow pop punk bands on tour for sure and i don't see people follow like folk bands in the same kind of way You're or like right. you know there's just a lot of genres where i don't feel like that like necessary um like necessarily there's like a same like one-to-one -one, mm -hmm. but like they really do shell out in the same way that pop fans shell out and i mean there's a certain element of the fact that it is pop punk but then like you know rock kind of has like it gets like kind of borderline similar like you were saying like they're shelling out the merch table they're, they're buying merch yeah i'm like i don't know how many other genres just because of the fact that i'm not as privy to them have that level of like oh my God, I'm selling out merch tables every night. I need to get extra stock. Is someone printing more? We need to print more. Like, right. especially of this specific pattern, people are loving yeah. this. Like, I don't know how many other artists experience that level of, just like level of really passionate um, fans, like you're really showing up for that kind of stuff. Oh, totally. I think you just said that so well. And I'm so here for the change of the guard of certain pieces of pop punk because like my favorite thing that i hear is like they're like oh did you hear pop punk is back and i'm like yeah but not for you because y'all motherfuckers broke it like and i'm not saying everybody but yes. like i'm just saying it's it yes there's a lot of feelings of pop punk and there is this kind of new emergence of it but it's like i think the reason why like i had kevin lyman on the podcast right and oh, like warp tour and all these things but something that always bothered me was it kind of felt like that kid's tale the giving tree where you like take and take and take and then there's nothing left where it's like, I don't know where it got lost that there's enough room for everyone to succeed and there's yeah. enough room for every fan base to be there totally. and support because it did, it got so competitive and like with Warp Tour specifically, like you had these bands that came from a community and then were too cool for a community. Yeah. And it's like, you forget what community is. You forget the best parts of exactly. the fandoms. So I really hope with the next wave of everything coming with pop punk comes this whole new mentality and this new mindset. And I, I, I'm very hopeful to that. I'm also hopeful. I also am like a blind optimist when it comes Me to too, like yeah. that kind of stuff. So I get real hype on like, this well, is it. We're going to fix because it. Because to me, it's like, okay, cool. So we spent this hour talking about this and like we can talk about every negative, but yeah. then that's just more negative words out in the yeah, world. Or we can talk about everything we're excited no. about and hope that somebody relates to that and carry that idea. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. This was 
fucking amazing. Oh, like, I'm so glad. I, you, I, I mean, again, so much of the lesson that I heard in it is just like being so well-spoken and taking what you're passionate about and learning how to communicate that. But that's exactly what you did in this podcast. And like, it has me inspired. It has me thinking about all of these things in this different way where I'm like, wow, she said that so well. And like, I've never thought about it like that. So like, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so, I'm like so excited to do this just because the fact that, like I said, like I feel such a need to advocate for fans being one and like that they don't have to abandon their fandom. Like I said, like I know lots of friends who like have incredible positions, places that have felt the need to quiet themselves. Yeah. And I am so obnoxiously the opposite of that yeah. like it's so not a question like i specifically if you're watching the video version i like specifically wore the, my jacket that has like all of my like fandom pins on it like i think it has like seven different pins of harry styles multiple bts multiple tomorrow by together like all so kinds good. of all kinds of stuff on there that i'm like i feel so strongly about repping what i love and like never shying away from that and like if you are concerned with my passion for something then like let's chat about it like because i seriously i want to talk to you about like why that would be a concern you know wow um and i i just i feel like such a responsibility of like since i have been granted this position of being able to work in the music industry to some extent you know um tangentially in a way and I, you know, be able to actually like run an account, right. That speaks to fans every day. I just want them to be talked, you know, to in a way that's like meaningful and respect and respectful. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are not as respectful to fans as they could be, especially when they're trying to break it in the industry. And I think that, you know, once we, once we fix that problem, everything is going to be like so much stronger and better because of it. So, so good. It's taking so the off. Good. I will take any opportunity to talk about fandom in the music industry and like how to how to like just own it and that you should own it at all moments. That's so cool. Damn. Uh again, thank you. This was remarkable. Oh, I'm so glad. This was literally so fun for me. I love just getting to to talk about things that I care about. Likewise. And I mean, I'm over a hundred episodes now and I try to- That's so crazy. I know. Congratulations. Nuts. Thank you. But I try to like make it not the same conversation. And I try to think about like, cool, if somebody's passionate about the music industry, what's a conversation that would be helpful? And this like a hundred episodes plus deep, and I have not had a conversation quite like this and so many topics that were covered so well. So oh. you have- you have brought so much to the podcast and I am immensely thankful. Oh, I'm so, so excited. I, I can't wait to yeah. like be able to, you know, I'll read the YouTube comments. I feel like that's where you, so you get the feedback. Right? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I do I'll appreciate that you can get the comments there. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Of course. Anytime. So there you have it. Alexa's story. I hope you liked this one as much as I did. I was so inspired by the end of this and I was so hopeful and excited for the next generation of music and so much of what she shared. So I really, really hope you got a lot out of this one. It was a very unique conversation and it's hard. It's hard to make a podcast and have this many episodes and bring new unique perspectives and conversations like this. So if you did like it and you made it here to the end, if you want to do me the massive favor of just subscribing to this podcast wherever you're listening to it and sharing it with a friend, it really does help. If you want to go above and beyond, there is a Patreon where you can support the podcast. It's just patreon.com slash where are all my friends. 
Any amount of support there is massively helpful. I do this all right now with zero ads, zero support outside of the Patreon. So any amount there helps a ton. Also, make sure to hit her up and send her a message if this helped you or if you related to it. I think that would mean a whole lot to her. I'll put a link to the way that you can message her here in the episode description. As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you want to leave a comment anywhere, shoot me a DM. Let me know other guests you want to hear from, other conversations that I should have or topics we should cover. If we should have Alexa back on to talk about anything else specific, I'm happy to do it all. I love hearing from y'all. So shoot me a message. Thank you for listening.